When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. It is game week, as in the game, Michigan versus Ohio State. The Wolverines made sure that matchup is of utmost importance after taking care of Maryland this weekend. The Michigan show, it has what it takes to hang with the Buckeyes. And what happened to the Michigan men's basketball team in Vegas? That and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be talking with you here on Monday morning. It's finally game week, Michigan-Ohio State football. We've mentioned it almost every football-related episode here for, I mean, really since August. At some point, we've touched on Ohio State, and now it's here. So we're going to get to it, I promise, quickly. But I think it's important that we touch on some of the the games that already just happened, you know, in, in other sports. And we can start. We can start with hockey. Whoa! Ryan, yeah, how about that? <laughs> how about that? Often, I, I hate to say it's an afterthought. It's not. It's just sometimes it gets it gets put at the end of of certain episodes. We know listeners are waiting for it, so we tease it all episode. But tell us what happened because the number one ranked team in the country got swept. Yes, they did, and their struggles at home against Notre Dame continue. They've now lost seven in a row at home to Notre Dame. And yeah, last time Michigan was ranked number one in the nation earlier this year, they lost their next game. Now they move back up to number one. Now they lose both. And both games were in overtime. I was at Friday's game. And honestly, I was really impressed with Notre Dame. And it was a similar blueprint that Western Michigan followed earlier in the year. And just being really physical against Michigan's still guys playing a, a disciplined system and forcing Michigan to, to dump the puck in and not being able to state it in and use their still. And I thought they they really contained Michigan quite well. But the Wolverines still were able to take a 2-0 lead. And basically both goals were all, basically all Matty Veneers. Uh, had a nice move on, on the first one to, to set up a goal and then had a nice little power play goal to give them a 2-0 lead in the third period. And I'm, I'm like, all right, Michigan's in, in control here, 2-0 lead. And then Notre Dame goes down less than a minute later scores they store tie it up later in the period and, and a dumb penalty in overtime hitting from behind five minute major leads to a four on three power play and boom right away Notre Dame scores that they get Friday night's victory and Michigan had a two nothing lead against uh, Notre Dame again on Saturday and, and blew that too so not great but Notre Dame Notre Dame's a solid team I mean Jeff Jackson's been coaching forever and and they always have disciplined teams that stick to their system and they they kind of have Michigan's number on home ice Michigan's done pretty well at Notre Dame but when they play Notre Dame at home it's it's been a struggle 
This is hockey, though. Yes, I mean, team's not going to run the table, stay number one all season. Probably there's going to be ups and downs, and yes. hope you're playing well at the right time. Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to win a Big Ten title and you want a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and, and that's definitely a possibility for for Michigan this year. So no need to panic. I mean, it's going to be a long season. They have a, it's a young team, so like, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs, and I mean, they're they're close games. Like they overtime games, they could have gone either way. So, yeah, I mean, and it's tough to play against these teams that are older and bigger and more physical than the Michigan. So the Wolverines are going to have to adjust. But, yeah, again, it's it's only November and during the long season. So no need to panic just yet. I'm just going to repeat what you just said about the basketball team. No need to panic. Going to be a long season. Young team. It's only November. It all applies to the Michigan men's basketball team, which lost two games this week. We already talked about the loss to Seton Hall on Tuesday at home. They then go out to Las Vegas. They beat UNLV Friday night, Saturday morning, however you want to describe it. I'm fully awake now. Yes, I'm great. They beat UNLV 74-61. Then late Sunday night, they lose to Arizona 80-62. to This game was tied 13 minutes in. And from there, Arizona just, you know, blew the doors off of Michigan. I mean, it was it was really difficult to watch at times as Michigan team on both ends of the floor. The The offense was just, Completely out of sync. Arizona, you know, put pressure on them, made them kind of start their offense way farther away from the basket than they prefer. Defensively struggling with kind of basic, you know, ball screens and giving up a lot of easy shots. I mean, 54, 58, something like that points in the paint for Arizona. 18 dunks. 18 dunks is a lot for a college game. Michigan had one or two had a Diabate dunk. I think that was it. And they're not the most athletic team in the country, but still it speaks to how easy things were for Arizona in this game. So like Ryan said, it's early in the season. There's a lot, a lot to go and, and, and plenty for Michigan, you know, to time for Michigan to get better, but there's some concerns because you have a couple of starters right now who just, you know, aren't playing great. Devonte Jones, the point guard fouls have been a problem with them. Kind of, I want to say his whole career, it's been a problem, but he's been more aggressive in that area than Michigan is typically accustomed to but under both John Beeline and Jawan Howard. And uh, Michigan doesn't want to take away that defensive aggressiveness, but they got to curtail it to a certain extent because he's fouled out of two games. He sat for the last eight minutes of the first half against Arizona after picking up a second foul. Yeah, he's been. He's been I, I feel like we've talked about this after after every game so far. I mean, at what point do you do? You, how long is his leash still until sometimes that maybe something uh, needs to be a change needs to be made in the starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Certainly let fewer minutes bringing him off the bench could help reduce his fouls, but maybe then he's even more aggressive when he comes in. But I don't know. I mean, your your other options there are, you know, Frankie Collins, a true freshman uh, who had his ups and downs and kind of extended action uh, last night as well. You know, Kobe Bufkin, he's looked pretty good, but he's a freshman too. And, you know, he could play in the backcourt with Eli Brooks because Eli Brooks could play either spot back there. So there are other options, but I don't think Michigan's ready to, you know, make a change there in the starting lineup yet. Phil Martelli talked to us before the tournament started. And, you know, he said, you know, utmost confidence in, in Jones, you know, as the point guard going forward. I have to think Michigan, I mean, they knew what they were getting in Devontae Jones, right? His, his aggressiveness and the foul issues. And you would wonder that, you know, they would try to curtail that before the season even starts. I mean, I'm sure they saw that to some degree in practice. Obviously the, officiating isn't the same or, you know, judgments are right. the same, but like, yeah, you've got to work to, to curtail that because if that continues to become a problem, you're not going to get that, you know, that reliability and that 
consistency from that from that position that requires. So yeah, it's gonna it would certainly you know it's not an ideal situation, especially the deeper they get into Big Ten play and you know the games that really matter this season. It's interesting because you know last year with Mike Smith, graduate transfer point guard, they had to kind of do the opposite. They had to teach him to be way more aggressive on defense because he was a guy who needed to be on the floor for 40 minutes on Columbia, taking all the shots on offense. I mean, he somewhat admittedly, you know, didn't always give max effort on defense, couldn't couldn't always do it and could not get in foul trouble. So Devontae Jones is the opposite. They need to kind of coach him to be a little a little less aggressive potentially. But, you know, that maybe means fewer steals and and rebounds and things like that, which that's not ideal. So it's a tricky spot. You know, he's a newcomer, though, still adjusting. Brandon Jones Jr., he's a senior. Uh, he started in the NCAA tournament last year for Michigan. He's just not looking super, super confident out there right now. You see him pass up open open threes at times to just drive or, or post up. I mean, he's got a versatile game, but as Martelli said, that area near the paint, that's Hunter's world. That's his space. That's his real estate. You know, spacing is key, and he needs to understand that and kind of be more of a kind of a three and D and rebounding kind of guy. Uh, more so than trying to create, you know, off the dribble. So, yeah, and then you got Caleb Houston, the freshman, who looked great early in this couple first two games, and now in a major shooting slump, one of his last fifteen from three. Ooh. A few bad misses yesterday as well that didn't didn't hit the rim. So yeah, they got it. They got to get him right, and I think they will. And no better game to do it against in than Wednesday night at home, night before Thanksgiving. Michigan should feast on Tarleton State. The Texans are only in their second season of Division One. In case you've never heard of them, that's a good matchup <laughs> for Michigan to try to get right. Uh, won't do anything in the eyes of of voters or whatever, and it's, it can all be viewed as fool's gold. But much what's the spread going to be for that game? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked at what theirs um, have been for their previous games. They're you know they're only three against Division One teams. Their their only win is against a school called or a team or a. I don't know, group of guys called Paul Quinn. Maybe it was just one guy. I don't know. That's their win. Stanford, Kansas, and Wichita State. So other power teams they've played, you know, that we can get a get a handle for, you know, what, what the spread might be. Billy Gillespie, you might remember him. Texas A&M, Kentucky had some off-court problems, but resurfaced Tarleton State. He's, he's their coach. But yeah, this is a, it's a good tune-up for Michigan, given, given who's up next. North Carolina on the road, San Diego State, good San Diego State team coming to Chrysler. So, yeah, and then a couple of Big Ten games. So it's important that, you know, they, they try to sort out these problems here, you know, over not just this game, but really the next, not till December 1st, will they play a, another team really capable of beating them. A lot of practice time to try to get right. Let's talk football. That's what people really want to know this week. How much do we want to talk about Michigan Maryland? I think we want to talk about it in the context of what it means going forward because that's what we talked about going into this game. Would Michigan show enough to inspire fans to think that they can hang with Ohio State? Because, Aaron, you called Maryland a poor man's Ohio State uh, after the performance we saw from Maryland and Ohio State on Saturday. Maybe maybe poor is, is even too generous, but what do you think as far as how Michigan looked on Saturday? Uh, they did the job. I thought they played well on both sides of the ball. I mean, they got a lot of guys in. They scored a lot of points. They poured it on in the second half. I thought they did a pretty good job defending, you know, Talia Tiger Viola. You know, Jim Harbaugh kind of acknowledged, you know, going into the game that he was going to be difficult to stop or limit. You know, he threw 33 times, but he, he was for less than 200 passing yards. So I thought they, from a, from a defensive perspective, I thought they did a pretty good job. Now, obviously, CJ Stroud and the Ohio State offense are a different beast. Everyone saw what they did against Michigan State on Saturday. You know, some could say it was a tune up for the Michigan game, and it, maybe, maybe so. But 
I think I've said this in weeks past, but I, I feel like this Michigan team looks a little bit better, more equipped to handle Ohio State this year. I'm not ready to go out on the limb and say Michigan's going to win this game yet because I need to see more and everything else. And this Ohio State offense is just you know, by far one of the best in the country. But Michigan defensively has made a lot of adjustments this year. I think they've improved in some areas. I still think there's some question marks in the secondary that I think are going to be ironed out or we're going to find out early Saturday against Ohio State whether they're, you know, whether they're real or not. But, I mean, Michigan's in, in a best-case scenario right now. We keep talking about, you know, the preseason projections and where this Michigan team was expected to be. They are leaps and bounds ahead of, I think, where almost everyone thought they would be. You know, maybe not Jim Harbaugh, but they, they are, they're 10-1. and one. They're, they're arguably one of the better teams in the country. And if this is a year to beat Ohio State, I, I think this is it for Michigan. This isn't the same Ohio State team as in, your, as in years past. They're still very explosive offensively. They can still score a lot of points. But I think this Michigan defense has changed enough to where they can slow Ohio State down. Now, whether they will or not, you know, I don't know. You know, but Saturday should be a little bit more competitive game, you know, than I think we've seen in years past. I mean, at this point, getting one stop in the first half would be considered slowing them down with what they've been able to do the, first, the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Now, Michigan in this game, eight touchdowns, three passing, three running, a kickoff return, an interception return for a touchdown. That's something, and they make their only field goal of the game. Um, so it was really an all-around effort. Block a punt, too. Block a punt. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it was it was everything. It was truly all, all phases, you know, a, a dominant effort. They didn't get after the quarterback as much as I guess they have in the past and, and you would have liked. And I just feel like that's so critical to the Ohio State game. Yeah, and, that, and that's going to be the most important task for Michigan. And it, look, it's more difficult with a mobile quarterback. We've seen Michigan struggle a little bit in that regard, facing guys that can move. You, you saw you know, against Nebraska, Adrian Martinez was able to get outside the pocket and make plays. Even Rutgers early in the season, Michigan had trouble with at times. So Stroud will be an issue for Michigan. And I, I think their success defensively is going to hinge on how much pressure they can get to the quarterback. You know, if you go back a couple of years ago when Michigan, you know, lost, you know, handedly to Ohio State at home, one of the big reasons for it was they, they had trouble getting to the quarterback. And that's how Don Brown's defense you know, lived or died for better or worse, you know, and that isn't so much the case this year. Michigan feels like they're, they're better, I think, equipped in the secondary with, the, with more of a zone look. They're doing some different things with their linebackers. But one of the biggest reasons for this Michigan defensive, you know, success or, or leap this year has been the pressure of the quarterback. Aiden Hutchinson is healthy. David Jabo has emerged as, a, as kind of another second tier option. You know, they, they, they've got pieces there. Um, they're going to have to get to the quarterback on Saturday to be successful. Otherwise, it's very possible Michigan or Ohio State could certainly you know drop 40 or 50 points on this Michigan defense like you saw Saturday against uh, Michigan State. On a related note, watching that Ohio State game against Michigan State on Saturday, it's and just watching C.J. Stroud, it's like I couldn't help but imagine or wonder like how many quarterbacks would be the Heisman front runner if they were playing in Ohio State's offense this year. I mean, the amount of time he had and just like the separation the receivers got against these TPs. It's like, man, when you have, when the receiver has five, six, seven yards of separation downfield and you have a ton of time to throw, I mean, like that's just easy money right there too. So it, it was quite impressive with how much protection that, that CJ Stroud did get. And, and the, obviously the, the receiver's ability are, is quite impressive. And it's like, and now it's like, do we found out who Michigan's, Best receiver is it's one of their it's their freshman running back, too. With Donovan <laughs> Edwards having a breakout game, Jesus, that was that was something. 
Let me get back to Stroud real quick. I mean, you know, Aaron touched on his mobility, and I think that's the key word because he's really not a runner. I mean, this takes into account sacks, but it's 25 rushes for zero net yards over the season. Now, again, that's partly because of some sacks in there, but still, his long runs in games, 7, 0, 6, 0, 9, 5, 10, 0, 15, 6. Like, he's not, he's not a runner. He's not a dual threat quarterback, but he's not a statue back there either. I think there will be opportunities and that'll just be, that'll just be key. I mean, the key to slowing down the Ohio state offense are two things. doesn't matter how great that those receivers are and how accurate is the passer. If you know, they do the opposite of what Michigan state did and actually get to them. And then the second thing is keep the ball out of their hands. You can't have your three and outs. You can't give Ohio state, you know, Ohio state was scoring against Michigan state in 90 seconds, you know, two minutes, two and a half minute drives. Like, you need to make Ohio State earn it, and then you need to keep their defense on the field for as long as possible. And I think Michigan is equipped to do that. I mean, they are equipped to kind of play ball control football. Yes? You nailed it. You know, I, I think some fans are going to want Michigan to come out throwing the ball like crazy on Saturday. And, and they're, look, they're going to have to do that to win. There's no doubt about it. Keith McNamara is probably going to have to have a career game, you know, on Saturday. But Michigan is going to have to run the ball, too. You know, and that, that goes back to moving the football, keeping Michigan, Ohio State's offense off the field and churning clock. So it, it certainly is a two-way thing here. You know, they're going to have to force the ball out of C.J. Stroud's hand as quickly as possible, force him to make mistakes. Remember, he's still only retro freshman. We saw earlier in the year that he's still prone to making mistakes. He will make mistakes, but you have to force them. It's it's, a, it's certainly a two-way coin here. You know, they, they got to get the ball out of his hands and they've got to keep the ball as long as possible to keep them off the field. So it goes back to what I was saying. Like you said, Andrew, they're better equipped. They, they know what they have to do. They, I think they have been fine-tuning that all season long. And look, the players and Jim Harbaugh made no bones about, you know, throughout the year that they have been building this up to being more prepared to play Ohio State. They stand a chance. I mean, the odds makers certainly think so. It's, I think, a seven and a half point spread at this point. Last week at this time, it was, I think, four and a half, five. They don't think this is going to be a, a blowout like we've seen in years past. Well, certainly, it's certainly possible it could be. But remember, you know, same token, Ohio State's ran through the Big Ten. I mean, they've had very little issue. Their only loss this year is to Oregon at home. This is going to be an interesting game, I, it, just not only for finding out kind of the temperature of Michigan and where they really are as a program right now, but you've got all the, you know, the, the other things going on. You've got Jim Harbaugh's legacy to worry about. You've got the future. You've got, there's just so much riding on this game. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun one Saturday. Yeah. I mean, as far as the point spread, it's been, it's been close in, in past years and hasn't been close on the field. I mean, Michigan was a favorite in 2018 when they went there, they lose 62, 39. It was, you know, Ohio state's favored by uh, one. I, I think it was just, you know, very, very tight spread in 2015 and Ohio state wins 42, 13. I'm trying to remember the 2019 game. Cause I don't, I didn't, didn't have it listed here, but it was less than a touchdown. I think. Yeah. It could have been some similar and then, you know, not competitive, but Yeah. It, last year, year was supposed to be 30, by the way. It opened at yeah, 30. In the yeah, last year, obviously, it didn't, <laughs> right, didn't, didn't happen or whatever. But, yeah, I think Aaron's right about you still got to do what you you do well. But I think they do have to break some tendencies. There's got to be a, maybe a little more passing on first down, third and short, fourth and short situations. You might not get away with Hassan Haskins just right up the middle <laughs> every time. You have, to, you have to change some things to keep Ohio State guessing. And I'm sure they will. It's been, it was interesting to see some of the tricks they pulled out of their sleeve against Maryland. You know, part of me wonders, could those have been saved for Ohio State? Another part of me says, well, I've heard coaches talk about making the other team think about it. So it's like, you know, something else that Ohio State will have to, they'll have to plan for. So it was an interesting game all around. What else, what else about Michigan's win over Maryland kind of 
caught your eye. One more thing in Ohio State, real quick. And I said this to someone the other day. Michigan, for Michigan to win on Saturday, they're going to have to play a, a near perfect game. You know, everything is going to have to go right for them. They can't turn the ball over. They're going to have to force some turnovers on Ohio State side. They're going to have to get that big break, I think, for them to win this game. Because I, I think the, the most like neutral observer will admit Ohio State just has the spare talent. They've got the better mm-hmm. receivers. They've They've got a quarterback who's who's playing well. They've got experience up front, and Michigan does too. I mean, I'm not saying they don't, but there's there's still that talent gap there between these two programs. And for Michigan to win the game, uh, uh, you know, this caliber, just you can't screw up. You can't make mistakes. You know, you have to get off to a fast start. Everything is going to have to go right for them. They're going to have to play their best game of the year, and even that may not be enough. But I think it's certainly good enough to to make this game, you know, comfortable or you know, close. But as for Saturday, you know, I. It was, it was a total, you know, it was a team effort. They got a lot of guys in that was kind of impressive. You saw JJ, the, the return, I guess, of JJ McCarthy. He looked good in that short field drive, man. Like they got the ball back there after the, the block bunt. And I think it was what, four plays, 42 yards. He, he made some good catches or some good throws, some good catches too from the Michigan receivers on Saturday. Mike Sand was still, uh, I think, was it Roman? Andrew Wilson? Anthony. Andrew yeah, Anthony. Andrew yeah. Anthony had a nice one. Andrew Anthony, and I think I wrote, I tweeted this like after his touchdown catch, but like he has this like knack for going up to get balls. And I think I said this in there a couple of weeks ago, but like you don't really see that from any of the Michigan's receivers. He just goes up and gets them. And it's like, I feel like he should be getting more targets, he should be getting more, you know, throws there. It's just like he's your guy. I think in a year or two, we're going to be talking about Andrew Anthony being their probably number one receiver. Yeah, 100% agree there, especially with the inconsistencies from, from the other guys, too. I mean, Cornelius Johnson had two two drops again, and obviously against Maryland, it, it didn't really kill them. But, like, against Ohio State, you, you can't be dropping passes like that. But receivers are going to have to have the, the games of their lives for, for Michigan because you know the guys on the other side will. But, yeah, I, I think that was a huge game for J.J. McCarthy just to – keep maybe Ohio State on their toes too because I think after JJ's previous two games it's like all right they're kind of weeding him out of the offense and maybe Ohio State's saying all right we don't have to maybe prepare for him as much but what he showed on, on Saturday it's he, he's he's a threat to do more things in this Michigan offense than than Cade and at least Michigan show that hey maybe we'll we'll get him in there in, in the big game too to, to throw a little wrinkle if things aren't aren't going as well so it'll be interesting to see if he gets many stab, snaps against Ohio State And another guy we'll be looking for to get some snaps. Let's not forget, Michigan has played its last three games, essentially, without Blake Corum. I mean, this is what made Michigan's offense go, was this two-headed monster. Now it's just a monster, and that's fine, (laughs) but it was so much more dynamic when you had both Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum in there. They have played without him since, you know, after that first drive of the Indiana game on November 6th. Ryan, you got to see Blake Corum up close and personal yesterday. And you came away from that thinking what about his status for Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like he'll, he'll definitely be available to play. He said he was available to play on and could have played on, on Saturday at Maryland, which, I mean, he was kind of hoping he could do that because he's, he's from Virginia. He has a lot of family in, in that area. His dad showed me a photo of how many family members they actually had there. It's like took up the whole screen and it was a wide angle shot. So it was like, I'm like, wow. Yeah. So obviously he would have liked to play in front of his family, but yeah, he, he said, we'll see with a big old smile when, when I asked if he's going to be available to play. So he was handing out, uh, handing out turkeys and, and Thanksgiving meals to to people in the Ypsilanti community yesterday and the cold and rain. And, and I mean, he looked fine walking. So obviously that's a little bit different than making cuts on the field, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there and playing on on Saturday. But again, we'll we'll see. But it definitely it definitely sounds like he will be an option in the Michigan's backfield. 
You didn't bring your football to have him test out some moves <laughs> yeah. against him? Maybe oh, man, I don't know if I would have been. But my hands were shaking. It was cold and so rainy. I don't know if I would have been able to deliver a, a good ball. <laughs> Two different will sees. You get a will see from uh, Jim Harbaugh, and it's like you think he's going to say more, and he's just done and kind of giving you a thousand yard stare. But it sounds like a much more playful, uh, optimistic will see from Corum. And Corm yes. was in Corm was in uniform on Saturday and on yep. the field pregame. I mean, there was I think there was maybe some hope that he'd play, but you know, I wrote this before the game. Like, if you don't need him, you don't necessarily yeah. you shouldn't have played him. And right. I understand why he made the trip, like you mentioned, Ryan. I mean, he's from the you know from the DC Baltimore area, so like that was essentially a home game for him. And like you said, the family was there and everything else. So I think I think Michigan obviously came in with the plan of not playing, not wanting to play him and preserving him from Ohio State because. When you're dealing with a high high ankle sprain, I mean, you could tweak it or re-aggravate it pretty easily. So you, you certainly want him off of it as much as possible. And you want him, you know, as healthy and as as ready to go for Ohio State as you can be. Yeah, and it was good for Michigan too to get Donovan Edwards in there and get get some confidence for him because he looked really really good, especially catching the ball out of the backfield too. So uh, kind of a, a win win situation there for for Michigan, and, and maybe maybe they'll have all three at their disposal on Saturday. <laughs> I was thinking about that, you know, and it's certainly possible. I mean, he kind of, he's very similar in quorum that, you know, he can, he can be, become that dynamic, you know, play act, you know, that option on the outside catching pass, especially when the receivers aren't, you know, aren't doing the job. You mentioned the drop balls and, and everything else on Saturday from some of the receivers. So when that's not working, it certainly would be wise to get the ball to Donovan Edwards. I mean, he had a heck of a game Saturday. You know, it's funny after the game, you know, Donovan was asked like, you know, about like his recruiting to, when he was recruited to Michigan and whether they ever mentioned the whole idea of like throwing passes to him and he's and he was kind of like had a blank stare and he's like no that never came up that was never like thought of to be an option so i think this idea of using him in the passing game i think it's been fascinating and it's certainly been a, a slow build-up because jim harbaugh talked about in like you know fall camp and the like when he had a cast on his on his hand and he was still catching balls and not dropping them jim and jim even said he was basically setting the setting the standard for the receivers which is amazing coming from a true freshman running back for a group of receivers that have some of which at least have been in the program for a couple of years. No, what I would do is if I was Michigan, I would have a lot of, I would have two guys in the backfield out of shotgun and then motion Donovan out into the slot and then just give another option out there in the passing game too and kind of keep the, the defense guessing because uh, yeah, like he showed a lot. And uh, just watching a couple of his West Bloomfield games last year though, too, they used him as a receiver once in a while too, just to kind of throw different looks at defenses. So he's able to do it and, and it worked on Saturday. So why not continue to throw some wrinkles at, at Ohio State? There was a lot of promising things offensively. You mentioned you mentioned Edwards. You mentioned you know Corum looking like he, he's ready to get back out there. Even little things. Andrew Anthony only had one catch, but it was an impressive one. Uh, Dalen Baldwin four catches his most since uh, the Nebraska game you know, on October 9th. Like Schoonmaker had another a touchdown. And it's like all right, like other guys are starting to come on. And you know, just more weapons potentially for Ohio State to worry about. It's not the cast of pass catchers that the Buckeyes have no team in the country perhaps can match that but you know that's not who they're going to be going up against the Michigan defense can worry about that so there's reason to be a little more optimistic than you have been at least the last few years and this game of course is at Michigan Stadium so that helps at noon you know we'll have we'll have plenty more more coverage of that is there is there anything else we wanted to add before i say a little something about our upcoming episodes i mean we'll get into it later in the week but you know it should be a fun saturday game espn sending game day fox is going to be there big game on saturday hopefully the weather cooperates i think it's supposed to be a little chilly but that's fine you know, it is what it is right this big game doesn't matter yeah so we'll have we'll have guests coming up this week 
you know, we won't, we won't share everything, but the bottom line is there will be some guests coming on the podcast to better, better break down this rivalry and this matchup. You know, we hope you will give it a listen and stay tuned for continued coverage on them live.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.